Sometimes we look at God and we look at his word kind of like, well, uh, maybe this will happen, maybe that will happen, maybe, maybe this will happen then, maybe this will happen now. And we don't understand that God really is a God of order. And he's so much a God of order that he, everything he has said so far to this day has come to pass. How many believe there's nothing that God spoke that has not come to pass? So as we get into this, I want to show you something from the book of Leviticus. And I know Leviticus might be as difficult to read for some people as the book of Revelation. It's one of those books that we go Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and we just kind of skip over Leviticus because there's a lot of stuff we don't understand in there. But there are some nuggets in there that I'm going to show you this morning, and I'm going to try my best to make it very simple. And I'm going to say a few things, then I'm going to show you a quick video, but I'm going to say a few things that will kind of begin to make it make sense so that you can look at the Old Testament the right way. Amen? How many want to learn something this morning? Kind of tell us where we're at in God's timetable. So in that book, we're going to read a verse in a second, but I'm not going to put it up yet. We know that Jesus came to fulfill, how many have ever heard that? To fulfill the law, not to abolish it. So there were things that they did in the Old Testament which were a precursor looking ahead to Jesus. How many know Jesus was not an afterthought? It's not like God made the law and made Moses and the prophets and then down the road he's like, well, that didn't work, let's, go, let's send Jesus down. Jesus, the Bible says, was planned since before the foundation of the world. Him coming to this earth was exactly the time he planned, exactly the place he planned, to the exact people that he planned. How many also understand something very important this morning? We are not Jewish. If you're in here and you're Jewish, then, then you're Jewish. But most of us are what? Gentiles. Gentiles are anybody that's not Jewish. Jewish people are God's chosen people. Okay, They're his holy nation that's been there from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so a lot of times when we look at the Bible and we read the Bible from a Western culture, New Testament, Texas understanding, we don't get what the Bible's trying to tell us because we're reading it as Gentiles in the New Testament in Texas instead of with an understanding of how, who God was speaking to, which was Jewish people first. We were grafted in, the Bible says. So we were not God's initial people, the Jewish people were. So he started with the Jewish people, he's going to end with the Jewish people. We're in the middle right now as the Gentiles, as the ones who accepted Jesus. How many have accepted Jesus this morning? See, the Jews missed him. He came first, the Bible says, for the Jew, then the Gentile. But the Jewish people missed him. And I'm going to show you something this morning of how and why they missed him. But I want you to understand that Jesus came to do some things that all of us will recognize. He came to the earth to live a holy, perfect life. How many agree with that? Then after he lived a holy, perfect life, the Bible says he went to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Then after he died, he was placed in a tomb. And how many believe this morning with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength that Jesus did not stay in that tomb, but after three days he rose again and came out of the grave and defeated death, hell, and the grave? How many believe that this morning? And he ascended into heaven. When Jesus, pay attention to this, when Jesus came to the earth to do those things, he was actually fulfilling appointed times from the Old Testament. 
Now, really quickly, I'm going to give you homework, and I ask you to do it. I'm going to give you several things of homework today. But we're going to read one verse from Leviticus, because I don't want to read the whole chapter, because I don't want to take the time, because I don't have the time to read the whole chapter and explain it. But look at verse 4 of Leviticus chapter 23, and it says, or it's 2, verse 4, yeah. These are the feasts. Does anybody here who likes the word feasts? I do. These are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed what? Time. Now, I want to explain something to you very important. We're not Jewish, as I said earlier. We're not blowing shofars here this morning. We're not celebrating uh, the things that they do in Jewish customs. But what I'm trying to tell you is, when you understand how Jewish customs work, it makes the New Testament come alive. For example, you might read that and go, okay, that, doesn't mean, that means absolutely nothing to me. But it means a lot. Because in the Hebrew, the appointed times or the feast means, means exactly that. Moedim, which means God's appointed times. So when God did everything in the Bible, he had already planned it out. Remember that he sees the end from the beginning. How many believe that God is not up there making this up as he goes along? We do that. We do that a lot. We kind of just, however it comes, that we kind of fix it. God has a plan. He sticks with his plan. And when you hear that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that was planned since before he ever said, let there be light. So when you look at the Bible that way, it gets you to understand that we can be not ignorant of the things of God. So there's these things in this book of Leviticus called feasts. If you're taking notes, there's, write this down. There's seven of them. How many know that's God's perfect number? Okay, seven feasts, God's perfect number. Now, as you're doing this, I'm going to help you if you're taking notes. Write number one, number two, number three, make a space. Write number four, make another space, five, six, seven. I'm going to wait for those that are taking notes. One, two, three, space, number four, by itself, space, five, six, seven. These, these are very meaningful to us, and I'm going to explain them. Then I'm going to show a quick video that will kind of tie it all, all together. The first one, most of us will know. Some of the other ones we won't. How many have ever heard of Passover? The very first feast in Leviticus 23, and what I want you to understand is, is, is feast also means, or convocation means, practice, rehearsal. So every year, the Jewish nation would do these things in Leviticus and practice for something they didn't even know what was going to happen. They didn't even understand that it was Jesus, because that's why they missed him. So Passover, how many know what Passover is? Let me see your hand if you know what Passover is. That's what we celebrate at Easter in the, book of, in, the, in the month of April. Not always on the same date, but Passover happens, and that's where Jesus becomes the sacrificial lamb for our sins. Amen? They would take a, a, a lamb without blemish. They would sacrifice it. They would put the door on the doorpost. I preached on that not too long ago. And the death angel would come through and would pass over their homes and not kill them. Jesus came to fulfill that feast. When he died on the cross, he was the Passover lamb. Okay, so how many are, how many are with me so far? I'm trying to make this simple. So when he came, here's the interesting thing. For thousands of years, the Jewish people would celebrate every year at Passover, which is a certain day, based on the lunar calendar, Passover. They would take that lamb every Passover at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. 
at the ninth hour. When Jesus came to die on the cross, he died at the ninth hour at 3 p.m. on Passover. Do you see that God is a God of appointed times? He didn't die the day before Passover. He didn't die the day after Passover. He died on Passover at the exact time they had been practicing and rehearsing for thousands of years. Okay? Everybody with me so far? Second one is unleavened bread. That's number two. Write that down. Unleavened bread. Leavened is, is uh, <clears throat> I forgot the word, yeast. Okay? And so that's sin. Jesus became the unleavened bread for us. Okay? They would have to make bread. Jesus said in other, other quotes of Scripture, he said, if the bread has a little bit of leaven, it, it'll ruin the whole lump. So there, no person could become the perfect lamb that Jesus came to be. And so he came and became the unleavened bread, which made him perfect, able to be the Passover lamb. Number three, first fruits. Number uh, two would also be him being the perfect lamb and going into the tomb to be buried. Okay, number three, first fruits. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, he's the first fruits of those of the resurrection. So on the third day, he rose from the dead. How many believe that? Now watch this. In Old Testament times, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus happened exactly on the days that they had been celebrating for thousands of years. Everybody get that so far? So he came to fulfill. That's what that means. He didn't come to change it. He came to become it. Everything they were doing was looking towards them. And if you remember, what did John the Baptist say? He said, he said, behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world when he baptized him. So he, he got the revelation of who Jesus was. The thief on the cross got the revelation of who Jesus was. We have to get the revelation of who Jesus is. That's what saves us. But as we look at the appointed times, then the next thing that happened was on the feast, and you'll read it later in Leviticus 23, is number four. Those first three ones happened in what's called spring feasts. How many know springs back in March and April? Then came Pentecost, number four. That's where we are right now, today. We are the church that started, what did it say in Acts chapter 2? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, in other words, on the day of Pentecost, they were sitting in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came down and baptized them in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. And the church that exists today that we're a part of right now of the Gentiles began 2,000 years ago. Okay? At, at Pentecost. So now, four of the seven feasts have already been fulfilled by Jesus. Is everybody on, on the page with me on that? Yes? Passover, he died on the cross. Unleavened bread, he went into the tomb as the perfect lamb. First fruits, he rose from the dead. Then Pentecost, the church was born. So there's three left. Those three are fall feasts, which are going to happen now in the fall. They're going to celebrate them starting this month and next month. They all go hand in hand. The next one is Feast of Trumpets. That's number five. Number six is the Day of Atonement, and number seven is the Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody got all that written down? So what's going to happen is those events that have already been fulfilled by Jesus, 
death, burial, resurrection, and then the church starts. Three are left. Do you think that God is going to fulfill the last three as he did the first four? Or do you think he's just going to change his mind? How many are with me? I'm going to make it make, it make sense in a second. Because the next event on God's calendar is the Feast of Trumpets. And the Feast of Trumpets is the rapture of the church. Now, you should have got a little bit more excited, but you missed that there. The first service was excited. And they weren't as awake as you guys were. Amen? So the next event on God's calendar is the rapture. And remember, for somebody who's here that's new, that doesn't understand or hasn't been around, haven't heard the messages, Jesus said there's a time coming on the earth that the world is ripe for right now. I was thinking about this the other day. Has this world ever been more ripe for a leader than right now? There's no leadership in our world right now. Y'all realize that? And the Antichrist is going to become a world leader. We have, not just in our country, that goes without saying, but around the world, there is no powerful world leader that you can look to to say, that guy's got it together, that country's really leading. The world is looking, waiting and watching for the Antichrist right now. But the church of Jesus Christ is looking and watching and waiting for the Messiah, Jesus, to come back for his church. How many are on that side? We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're not looking for a world leader. We're looking for Jesus. And we know time-wise, we are there. We're close. Now, real quick, I'm going to show that video if we have it ready. This just kind of makes it everything I just said make more sense in a video. Turn the lights down if you can, please. There you go. Isn't that exciting? 
The next event is the rapture. Tell someone next to you, are you ready? What are we ready for? For Jesus to come get his church. To take those who believe in him, listen, out of the way. My wife and I just moved closer to the church and closer to our grandkids up near Valley View, and we have trains that go by all the time. Loud trains, and they make that loud noise when they're going across the train tracks. And it doesn't really bother me, uh, but I, I think about that where that's what the rapture is. The train is coming. It makes the sound. And if you saw someone on the, on the railroad tracks, you would want to warn them and tell them to get off the railroad tracks. And that's what we're supposed to do right now. we got to tell this world Jesus is coming at any moment. He's coming soon. And they need to be ready for him. And they don't have to be here on this earth. Quickly, listen, the next events. Remember, Jesus came and died. He went in the tomb. He rose from the dead. The church started. The next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. And then the second coming of Christ after the tribulation. And then the millennial reign where we're going to be on this earth for a thousand years in glorified bodies with no devil to tempt people. And it's going to be like the Garden of Eden again. Amen? Is anybody ready for that kind of world? But the question is, do you really believe that? Because I don't know if I'm talking to believers here, because what gets you into heaven is a believer. Not saying you're a Christian, not carrying a Bible around. Do you really believe that Jesus is coming back for his church? Do you really believe he came out of the grave? Do you really believe that God is going to judge this world? I sent, a, I sent a message to my sister-in-law this week that all of you should be sending to your loved ones to family members, to brothers and sisters, to neighbors, to co-workers, to tell them, to get them to think about what's coming. Church, we're close to the time of the end of the church age, which is called the age of grace. I want you to understand that when that grace ends, a time of seven years is coming on this earth that Jesus said himself has never been before and will never be again. A time of testing. Testing for who? Testing for those who have rejected Jesus as unbelievers and for his own people, the Jewish nation, who rejected him at the cross. Do you understand your Bible this morning? The time of tribulation is mostly to deal with his people. Because he promised all the way back with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that he would deal with his people. The tribulation of seven years, and it is a literal seven years. It's not a metaphorical or myth, myth, mythological. It is a literal seven-year time period. And during that seven years, the first three and a half, he is going to let the world have what they want, which is a godless world. How many know we're in that place right now? No one, when I say no one, I mean the general population doesn't want to have anything to do with God. We can pass out Jesus cards in Gainesville yesterday and get a nasty email from somebody that they don't want to hear anything about Jesus on their car. That's the world we live in. So the tribulation is going to give this world, God is going to give this world what they want. They're going to get a world leader who's going to come on the scene He's going to deceive everyone. He's, going to, he's a master of deception. He's going to fool this world, and they're going to fall into that trap. But church, we are not going to be here for that. We are going to be in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, receiving our rewards from God for believing in His Word. 
and we must get as many people saved as possible. And what's going to happen is in that first three and a half years, this man is going to come on the scene, chaos is going to break out in this world, and the Jewish people are going to be tested because they rejected Jesus. And the people on this earth that don't believe in Jesus are going to be tested as well. You don't want your worst enemy to be here for this. And that's a whole other message. I don't have time to get into it all, but I want you to understand what God is doing. God is dealing with his people. He is a faithful God. He is a good God. He is a God of order. He's a God that, that gives us an opportunity to be ready. And you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Watch this about the rapture, about the next event on God's calendar that will be fulfilled if you believe like I do, just like the, the cross, just like the, the tomb, and just like his resurrection. If you believe, here's what will happen. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption, that's who we are, corrupted, inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. The Bible means dead there. We shall not all die. Now, I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. I am so thankful and excited to realize that I am part of the generation, the only generation. I see a few of you that are as excited as me. The only generation in 6,000 years that's not going to die, that could see the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ and get up to heaven, I'm going to ask my papa and my mama, what did it feel like to die? Because I don't know. How many want to get to heaven and be that generation that never tasted death? But I just don't know if I'm talking to believers here or not. I know we call ourselves that. But do you really believe it? How is it possible that we believe if we believe? I'm just pricking your your uh, belief here this morning. How is it possible we believe he died on the cross and we believe he went in a tomb and we believe he rose from the dead, but we don't as much believe that he's going to take us into the sky and take us out of this earth before tribulation comes? How come we don't believe that as much? Or do we? Amen. How many believe? He's coming for a church that believes in him, that believes what he did on the cross. And he's coming to judge this world. Everything you've seen happen in this world that you're mad about, the injustices, the sexual perversion, the things that you go, God, when are you going to do something? That's when he's going to do something. Amen. He's going to put an end to all this. He's going to make everybody pay what they, want, what they need to pay. He's going to pour out his wrath on this earth, not because he's a bad God, because he's a just God. And you've been asking for his justice. Haven't we? That's what he's going to do. And then right around the middle, he's such a good God that after dealing with his Jewish nation for three and a half years, he's going to send them off and protect them, even though two-thirds of them are going to die in the tribulation. He's going to send them to a place called Petra for protection. And then the wrath of God's going to come on this earth. And he's going to purify He's going to get rid of all the things that are ruining this world today that we want ruined, by the way. We say it all the time. We want it to be dealt with. And then, that, then he's going to come back with us, the church, to this earth. And what's called the second coming. That's the day of atonement. And the Jewish people, listen to what this says. In, I don't have this on the screen. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. It says, I will pour on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. 
He's such a good God. And it says, they will look on me whom they pierced. We have to learn how to read the Bible. Matthew 24 and Mark 13 talk about the tribulation as to Jewish people. Luke 21 talks to the Gentiles. And it says they will, how many have ever heard that verse? They will see him whom they pierced. Church, when Jesus comes back for the church, the world's not going to see him. Only we are. They don't get to see him because they didn't believe in him. The ones that are going to go in the rapture are the ones who believe in Jesus. We're going to see him in the sky, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be taken up into the sky to be with the Lord forever. And then it says comfort each other with these words. And then if you know the Bible, the next chapter, and back then when they wrote the Bible, how many know there wasn't chapters and verses? But the next verse after comfort each other with his words, it says, brethren, I would not have that you be ignorant about the times and seasons of the coming of the Lord. In other words, we don't have to be caught off guard. How many have ever heard the saying, he comes as a thief in the night? Anybody ever heard that? If you've heard that, you might think that that's not even, that's not, listen, that's not even talking to Christians. We're not going to be caught as a thief in the night. Because when you know Jesus is coming, he's not going to catch us off guard. If you know a thief's coming, you lock your door. You put your gun by your nightstand. You do whatever you do to protect your house. The thief only comes in to rob and steal and destroy someone who's not ready. He says, you're, not good. He says, you're of the light. You're not of the darkness in 1 Thessalonians 5. This day's not going to catch you off guard. And one of the reasons it's not going to catch you off guard is because you've got a preacher that's preaching to you to get ready and to stay ready and to stay watching and to stay looking and to stay witnessing and to stay telling people that Jesus is coming soon and they can be ready to go with God. That's what our job is today. Amen? Now, how many know what a tornado is? Yeah? Hurricane? Now, listen, a tornado and a hurricane can happen anytime, anywhere, any place. How many believe that? Now, there's certain places they happen more frequently and more often. But now, even in the days we're living in, we're seeing hurricanes and tornadoes in really weird places, earthquakes. But a tornado can happen anytime, place, anywhere. And that's the same with the rapture. But how many know that there are seasons of hurricanes, seasons of tornadoes? In other words, there's times during the year when those happen more frequently. If we believe in the times of God that the feasts were fulfilled in the spring for his, his coming, and we see that the feasts in the fall are his return, this would be a high rapture watch season. Just based off of the same thing as tornadoes and, and earthquakes. How many remember being in elementary? I'm going to go way back to the fire, fire alarm drills. I don't think they did that in junior high and high school. I guess they weren't worried about us then. Do you remember in elementary when they do the fire alarms and you have to get up and do the whole test thing? Did anybody ever, was anybody ever part of a fire? No, but we were ready in case the fire happened. That's what we do when we stay ready for the Lord. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we're prepared for it to happen. And we know that, the, the, the his, that it's going to be fulfilled just as his word says. Can I get an amen? amen. The last one is tabernacles. So you got fifth, Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles. God did not write those in the book of Leviticus just to fill space. He wrote them down as appointed times. And those are the things left to be fulfilled, and they're going to happen very soon. They could happen this year. How many are ready? Now I want to read Revelation one more time as the musicians begin to come. Verse 22, chapter 22, verse 7. 
I said for anybody that missed it in the beginning, the Lord woke me up this morning with this verse clear in my mind. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely for the third time I am coming what? Quickly. And our answer should be, amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Now the last verse I want to give you, the Bible talks about there being crowns that we're going to receive. There's five crowns that we can get in heaven. One of the crowns is watching for the return of Jesus Christ. That's one of them. Now, first, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4 shows this. I want this crown, and I want you to have this crown. He says here, there's finally laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now, this isn't a, the crown of righteousness we can't get. How many know we're righteous because of Jesus? The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags, which the Lord, the righteous judge, it says, Paul says, will give to me on that day. Now, I would, I would say Paul deserved that crown. Paul died as a martyr. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But the cool thing is, is he didn't say this is a crown just for me. Look what it says. He says, and not to me only, but to a few other people as well. What does it say? To what? All to love his appearing. There is a special crown I, I want us to be in heaven high-fiving each other that when the rapture happens and Jesus comes back, we weren't caught off guard. We weren't sleeping. We weren't slumbering. We weren't busy doing other things. We were about the Father's business. We were passing out Jesus cards, passing out tracts, telling people about the Lord, telling people what's coming so they can be ready. Amen? Tell the person next to you, let's stay ready. Amen? God's appointed times. Father, this morning, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Lord, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the exact moment, but your word says we can know the season. And Lord, we know that as we're coming into this fall, we know we're in 2023. We know we're, we're fulfilling, Lord, the times and seasons, and we, we know there's an urgency. Maybe the church doesn't feel the urgency that I feel, God, but I I have an urgency, and I pray the church does feel it. That, Lord, we've got to talk to our loved ones. We've got to talk to those that are in our neighborhoods, those that we have emails of, those that are on our social media, those that are our coworkers, to tell them that Jesus loves them, to tell them that there's salvation in just believing what Jesus did on the cross. Lord, that we don't have to have it all together. We just have to have you in the right place as Lord and Master and Savior. Today in this place, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you may not understand all this. You may not know the Bible. You may not have studied the Bible for a long time. I'm trying to make it simple for you. Jesus is coming soon. And he's coming for a church that believes in him. He's going to rescue this the church from this world before he brings this judgment and time of testing on this earth. And then he's going to fulfill everything he said he was going to do. He's going to come back to this earth. There's going to be a thousand year reign on this earth, on this same earth we're living in right now. But the devil's going to be tied up and he's not going to be tempting people. 
We're going to have a glorified body. A body that won't feel pain anymore. A body that won't feel burden anymore. A body that won't cry anymore. A body that won't be sick anymore or have cancer anymore. He says he'll give us a glorified body. It said there in 1 Corinthians that in the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, the corruptible will take on incorruption. When that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise first. And it goes on to say, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where, or Hades, where is your victory? Today we have a victor's crown, and it's Jesus. Jesus already did everything. Today I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to do what that thief did on the cross. Many of us here today question, we wonder, we doubt, we fear. We don't feel worthy. I can tell you that even as the pastor of this church, many times I don't feel worthy. But I I realize I'm not. No one's worthy. No one's good. But I lean on the grace and the mercy of Jesus. I lean on the fact that He paid all my sins on that cross. And all I have to do is do what that thief did. He looked on Jesus and he said, you're the Christ. Would you remember me today? And Jesus didn't look back at him and say, have you fulfilled the Ten Commandments? Have you been baptized in water? Have you been faithful to church? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the grace and the mercy of God. Today, how many all over this place, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you are not sure. Oh, please let the conviction of the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today. This may be the last service we ever have. This may be the last service you're ever in. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone. The Bible says we must work while it's day because there's coming a day when no one will be able to work. That will be that time when the world enters into tribulation. People will still get saved but they're going to have to go through a horrible time. Jesus has a way out. He has a way of an escape. Luke 21 says, Watch therefore and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things and to be in the presence of the Son of God. How many right now could say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure where I'd go. If the rapture happened today, if the trumpet sounded today, I wouldn't go to the rapture. I don't know. I'm not sure. Would you just lift up your hand and say, pray for me? Be honest. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hand. I'm not ready today, but I want to be. Let me tell you how graceful God is that you'd be sitting here in this service today by the grace of God to hear the the voice of the Lord calling you and saying, I died for you. I died for you. Listen, someone needs to hear this today. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to measure up. You're never going to be able to to be worthy of God's grace. Grace is receiving something you don't deserve. Just accept it today. How many more today? You might not understand everything I'm saying, but would you understand if I told you a train was coming today and you're on the tracks and you can get off? That train doesn't have to take you out. That's what's happening today. There's a train coming. 
and I'm warning you, but I can't get you off the tracks. All I can do is tell you, you got to get yourself off. you got to put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds, a few more moments. Young person, older person, are you ready? Do you know him? God is calling you. The Bible says in Revelation 3, he's knocking on the door of your heart right now. Don't miss God because you know you're a sinner. There's some people here right now saying, I've done too much. I've made too many mistakes. I've mocked God. I've made fun of God. I've, I've cursed God. I've done this and I've done that. Maybe I've even blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You haven't because you're here. Today, you, there's some people that need to know, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, how much sin you've done, Jesus forgives it all. How many could say, that's me today? I need Jesus. Put your hand up. Some that haven't already put it up, I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Young man, God bless you. Let's stand today all over this place. Please stay in this attitude of, of worship, this attitude of reverence to the Lord. I want to ask you to do one more thing. I want to ask you to make a confession, a public confession, that you believe in Jesus. So this isn't a secret society. All the disciples of Jesus died martyrs' deaths. Jesus hung on a cross in public shame for you and me. It wasn't done behind closed doors. It was done out in public. He was stripped and beaten and bloodied to become that Passover lamb. And all Jesus asks of us is to believe on what he did. And if we believe, he says, he who believes in me, though he were dead, that means spiritually, he shall live. But he wants you to make a public confession of your faith. He wants you to tell the whole world, I believe in Jesus. You know, we have a world outside these four walls today that is boisterous about their sin and loud about their anger and loud about their, their lifestyle. We need to be loud about Jesus. If you're here today and many hands went up, you raised your hand and you meant it. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but right now, you, you know you're not right with God. I'm not asking you to become a member of this church I'm asking you to put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. That's the gospel message. Aren't you thankful that I'm not asking you today to do like a list of things? There's no list. Believe. Just believe and let God change you. He'll change you. Once you give, your, give him your life, he'll change you. How many have been changed here this morning? You've given him your life and he's changed you. That man that you stood up here, saw stand up here and do the offering in prayer was a full-blown alcoholic for many years on the verge of losing his family. He doesn't have it all together, but he gave his life to Jesus, and he's changed. The man who's preaching today right now in Gainesville, Texas, up the road, as a first service today, was a meth addict for 20 years. He doesn't have it all together, but Jesus changed his life. And now he's preaching the gospel. You can change. We can change. God can change us. But it starts with believing on Jesus. If you raised your hand today and you meant it, would you do one more thing? We're going to sing a song in just a second. But this is the reason we're here. Would you find that nearest aisle and just come down here so I can pray with you this morning so you can make a public confession of your faith? Come on, you raised your hand? Come on, give them a big hand as they come. Many hands went up. If you saw someone that raised their hand near you, just say, come on, I'll go with you. 
How many more? I'm going to wait just a moment. Today, if you're here and you're not sure, come. Surrender. Put your faith in Jesus. How many more? This isn't a scare tactic, I promise. We're just trying to get you to understand how much Jesus loves you. Don't be religious. Be real. Be real. God knows your heart. You can fool me. You can fool your family members, but you can't fool God. God knows. But he's a merciful God. Merciful, merciful, merciful God. Today, church, we need to say, Jesus, you're, you're everything. I'm, I'm putting my trust in you. I believe some people are getting some revelation today of who Jesus is. He's a God of order. He's a God of perfection. He's a God who fulfills his word. He doesn't change. He's not up there making this up as he goes. He has had a plan of salvation since the foundation of the world. And let me tell you another thing. He knew you were going to come forward. He didn't make you come forward. That's the thing we got to understand. We have free will. But he knew you were going to come forward. He knows those who know him. He knows those who backslide. He knows those who go back to their old ways. He doesn't make us, but he knows. How many know some people today who, who have served the Lord at some time, and today they're not serving God? Let me see your hand. Probably all of us. We need to pray for them. In this church, we have many, many people who have even served, and they're out living back in their old ways today. They've gone back to their vomit. They've gone back to their old ways and today they're not right. We need to pray for them. We need, to, we need to reach out to them. We need to send them a text. We need to call them. We need to say, listen, time is short. Stop messing around. God loves you. Don't try to figure it out. Just get back to church. Get back God, right with God. And if you think of somebody today, your job is to pray for that person. But right now, for all of you and those that are watching online, we're going to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. All you got to do is believe. You don't have to understand everything. You just got to believe. I want you to say this with me. Those that are watching online, here, listening on the podcast, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. I fall short. The wages of my sin are death. But your word says the gift of God is eternal life. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you went into the grave and you came out of that grave resurrected in power to defeat death so I can defeat death. It's not anything I can do. It's not my good works. It's not even my understanding. It's just simple faith that you took my place and you died for me. Jesus, I believe that. I accept that. And today, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says the angels of God are rejoicing in heaven right now. Praise God. Praise God. Father, I pray for these people that they would feel your presence.
that they would know you're real. Your word says that our spirit would give witness that we're children of God. Lord, your word says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, some of these people are new. They've never maybe even heard the gospel before. Show them how real you are. Put a burden in their heart, a longing in their heart to read your word, to understand your word, to pray, to talk to God, to learn who you are today and how much you love us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Cover them and guard them, Father. Let them walk out of this place different than when they came in, Father, with an expectancy that they are forgiven, that you are coming for them, Father, and you have a plan and a purpose for us, Jesus. As you're staying with your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to ask, as we open up these altars, I want to give you a few things to pray for. And there's plenty of room down here at this altar for all of us. I want you to pray this morning, first and foremost, if you're back there, i got to believe you're a believer. Thank God today. Come with an attitude of thanksgiving that Jesus died for you and gave you a new life. And then after you thank him for a little bit, I want you to begin to pray for people you know that don't know Jesus. We have loved ones, we have family members, we have neighbors, we have co-workers. You might even have some enemies. You wouldn't want your worst enemy to go through what's coming on this earth. And if Jesus really lives in you, you'd want them to be saved too. Even people who've hurt you, despitefully used you, the Bible says pray for them. So we're going to open up these altars as we sing a song. And I want us to pray for those that you know that don't know Jesus. And I want you to begin to say, God, how can I reach out to these people? Give me a way that I can send a message to them. Give me the boldness to to send a track or to hand a track to them or hand a Jesus card or just simply say, Jesus loves you. As we begin to sing, let's just begin to let this message resonate in our spirits. Let's begin to pray. For those of you that came down for salvation, just begin to confess your sins. Just begin to say, Lord, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. And though the rest of us, let's be thankful. Let's begin to pray for those that don't know Jesus today. Who can we tell? Who can we share our faith with this morning? Thank you, Jesus.